Welcome back to the MicroConf podcast. This week, we're doing another MicroConf refresh episode of a really popular talk from MicroConf Europe in 2019. The talk is from Irina Nika, and it's titled How to Build Buzz and Backlinks on a Bootstrapped Budget. Irina is the Senior Marketing Manager at HubSpot, and in this talk, she covers how to build buzz online and get a lot of backlinks when you don't have a tremendous budget to do it. This was one of the most popular talks from MicroConf Europe just a couple years ago. If you haven't seen it before, I'd recommend you know certainly listening to this talk. It's compact. Even with Q&A, it's about 30, 35 minutes. And if you want to learn more, click the link in the show notes, head over to our YouTube channel where you should subscribe. There's almost 8,000 founders and aspiring founders that are subscribed to this channel, youtube.com slash microconf. And with that, Let's dive into how to build buzz and backlinks from Irina Nika. My name is Irina, and I'm really excited to be here. I'm also a little nervous because it's always hard to follow someone like Paul, who's a really fantastic storyteller. But I hope I am going to win you over at least a little bit because my talk is going to be super, super, super practical. Um, as Rob said, I'm going to talk about building uh, buzz and backlinks and a little bit of context as why I'm speaking about this. I come from a company called HubSpot. Uh, traditionally, the company has been around for 10, 12 years right now, and traditionally it's been a marketing automation software. And a lot of people know the name HubSpot if they're working in marketing. But in the past couple of years, the company has been launching and launching new products to different markets uh, who aren't typically like so into uh, the marketing space and the brands there. So HubSpot has been launching a free CRM, live chat software, uh, meeting schedule, phone builder, et cetera, et cetera. Like we've got over, I think probably over 10 different features. Some of them are freemium. Um, and it hasn't been like really easy to, to launch uh, these new features in markets where the name HubSpot isn't traditionally very well known. So this is where kind of like me and a lot of people kind of like myself come in. Uh, and our job is to uh, build a buzz. I also build backlinks to all of these products. And the overall goal is to uh, increase the number of users and the signups um, and generally like the sales for these products. So this is what I, what I do, and this is what I want to talk about to you today. But before getting into all the nitty-gritty of like building backlinks and buzz, uh, I have another confession. I'm a pretty avid reader, and from what I've been talking to different people today and yesterday, I think I'm in the right crowd. Like A lot of people here are like book lovers, bookworms, such as myself. I've got a few book recommendations already. Uh, and I, I actually have an exercise that I want to propose for you to do at home, kind of a bit of, a, of an experiment. I would like you to think about the way you purchased your last book and why you purchased it. And uh, I want to talk to you about this because I've done this experiment relatively recently when I realized I went to kind of an interesting process when I bought this book called A Gentleman in Moscow. Now, as I said, I've been quite an avid reader all my life, and I have like a pretty typical process of buying books. I usually go to my friends or my family, and I say, oh, what are you, what are you reading? Oh, well, that unless I have like lots of uh, uh, books that I want to read, but if I don't want to go to that list and I'm looking for something new, I usually like ask for recommendations. But in this particular case, though I normally take those recommendations and uh, read those books. In this case, like none of the things that they recommended at that time seemed particularly interesting for me. 
So I did what I would do in often other situations like this, and that is I would go to some places that I think that are trusted resources for me, like the New York Times bestseller, like uh, the recommended sections of uh, Goodreads. And the reason I do all of these things is because there are just too, too, too many books out there and I have just one life. And I want to spend my time reading something that I, and start something that is really interesting. So I need someone to do that job for me and curate lists and show me these are the best 10 books. Pick something, because I want to pick the best one for me. Um, I didn't find anything necessarily interesting or nothing convinced me like uh, in those lists. So I end up on one of those like you know top ten lists. Uh, I don't know if you guys follow Bill Gates' summer readings, but I, I'm I'm particularly a fan. Even though I rarely read things about like I don't know the gas industry or things that he recommends, I just like to see what he recommends. And this time, uh, I noticed he recommended a novel which if you're familiar with the types of book that, books that Bill Gates recommends, you know that he's not really like a fiction guy, like he doesn't really recommend uh, novels. But the way he kind of like described this a gentleman in Moscow, I thought it was really interesting. And I was kind of half sold just because it's not a typical Bill Gates recommendation. So what I did afterwards, um, I want to look for reviews of this book. I wanted to see what other people are saying about this. Uh, I look uh, typically, I always like look at Goodreads and I, still, I read a few comments and I, I read a few descriptions. I don't really mind spoilers. I'm uh, more interested in just finding a book that uh, I know I'm going to like. So pretty good reviews, good recommendation. I end up buying the book. And then after a while I kind of think about this process that I went through and I'm like, okay, this is actually quite similar, I think, to the way people buy HubSpot products. Like they often get, they know about it from uh, recommendations from, from their friends. Um, they found out about it from like trusted sources. Um, they go into curated lists and obviously they look at um, reviews and listings, uh, reviews and ratings, sorry. And the more I think about it, the more I realize that this is actually a phenomenon that happens in a lot of industries. Because all, uh, everywhere we go to right now, there's, there's a plethora of solutions and products that people can, can choose from that it's absolutely overwhelming. And we want to get the best of the best. So we need recommendations. That's why you find things like lists like this in almost any industry. This is a, a list of 10 best camping tents. 10 best dog toys, uh, best free dating uh, side apps for singles on a budget. Uh, this is very specific for people who really are like facing some challenges, but you know, there's a list. <laughs> um, and my favorite, this is a list of places where you can go to find lists. That is in case the lists that you found weren't uh, specific enough, you weren't particularly satisfied, you can have more lists. Um, but joke aside, uh, this is actually a phenomenon that, that, that you can like trace all the way up to the way Google shows search results. Um, I don't know if you can tell what's the tiny uh, writing on top there, but this says that this screenshot is a, a SERP overview, a search engine uh, results page overview for the keyword best meeting scheduler. Like, 
three, maybe like more years ago, when you would type these kind of things into Google, Google would return to you a list of tools, like the, the search uh, uh, results page would be filled with Calendly, uh, Doodle, and other, other actual tools that Google, through its like own algorithm, would decide to be like the best solutions to you. But right now, users don't need Google and don't want Google to uh, recommend them solutions. Users want Google to recommend them the best places where they can see what are the top recommended solutions in that particular niche. That's why, and I'm going to highlight this to you, for, um, for the keyword best meeting scheduler, with one exception, all of the results are listicles, are best, a list of best meeting schedulers that you can pick from. And I picked this particular example because HubSpot uh, happens to have a solution in this space. And uh, if you would be looking at the search result page from a ranking perspective, you would see, think that we have a pretty sucky SEO team. <laughs> but in reality, we're actually present in um, four out of these 10 results. So our visibility as a product, even though the actual like, product page isn't ranking for the keyword best meeting scheduler, is present and is visible where people are actually uh, actively searching for solutions in this space. They can compare it, uh, they can see it's free, uh, it's from a renowned brand, et cetera. We have uh, chances of, uh, of acquiring new customers. And the more interesting thing about this, like looking at search results from this perspective, is that we started looking at our visibility for different products at stages of uh, the buying funnel. And the way you think about it, you, I know you've seen <laughs> quite a few funnels in the past couple of days, and I don't want to like reinvent the wheel in any way, but I want you to think about the way people buy products or discover products in your particular niche. I think about this like at the top of the funnel, in this case, as a product-led content. Right, people would start by looking for things in, in a, let's say, the mar email marketing space as a, how to start an email marketing campaign. That is the type of content that is quite top of the funnel, but it's also very product-related. Because you cannot think about how to start an email marketing campaign these days without actually thinking about like, the technology behind it. So though it's very top of the funnel and educational type of content, is still a content that is very much related to, the, to a particular product or a set of products. So for this uh, top of the funnel space, I would like you to think about like what are what are the types of keywords or other types of queries would people use to like discover ways to use products such as yourself. See what are the, the top ten search results for those keywords, and then see what's your visibility in those articles, in those examples. Are is your website ranking there? Are there any websites that you could partner with and calculate your visibility? and then you'll see how visible you are at um, the product-led content level. Same for the middle of the funnel. This is a space where I think it's even more important as a product to be present, where people are looking for, uh, they already know that they want an email marketing tool or a best meeting schedule tool or their best tent or the best dog toy for their pet, uh, and you want your dog toy to be there. And if it's not, then it's probably, and if your site isn't ranking, then probably your product visibility is quite low uh, at a place where you could very well be uh, acquiring customers. And lastly, the bottom of the funnel in this case uh, is when people have already decided between, let's say, HubSpot and MailChimp, and they look for comparisons. 
or they look for uh, very specific comparisons, actually, HubSpot versus MailChimp, like an entire article or a page or review, et cetera. So as a conclusion for this like theoretical part, <laughs> I think it's very important from an SEO and like backlinks perspective to, be, to start looking at mentions uh, in uh, search results rather than rankings by themselves because mentions are going to be more valuable and they're going to help you uh, increase your visibility even in places where it's way too competitive from an SEO perspective to rank. And lastly, sorry. Uh, yes, it's important to be visible where it matters. I skipped a few slides by mistake. My, my finger <laughs> got too excited. Uh, but th that said, uh, that theoretical part being over, um, I want to start like looking at exactly some of the tactics in which you can conquer like these spaces, uh, friend recommendations, trusted sources, curated lists, and uh, reviews and ratings, so that you are able to uh, drive more users to, to your product. Uh, and I'm going to start by, first of all, kind of redefining these, uh, these sources in, way, in, like, in names that are more familiar to marketers. Well, first of all, the friends' recommendations could actually be uh, your customers' uh, case studies or your partners' reviews. Um, those trusted sources that I've been checking, there are, those are the influencers in your space. They can be companies, they can be um, like niche publications, or they can be actually individuals. Then there are the best of lists, the listicles that appear in the top 10 search results for best of, whatever your, your niche is, um, and then directories. And I want to start by discussing some ways in which you can leverage the relationships with your customers and partners so that you can get more buzz and backlinks. Obviously, this is, a, this is a great place to start because uh, it's just easier to build something uh, from like within your network because those people already know your brand, they already know um, uh, what you're doing and potentially they actually like love your product and are happy to recommend it. Now, there are many ways in which you can, you can leverage this, of course, like creating really appealing case studies could be, um, could be um, a solution. But what I would think would also be like really easy from a, a, an SEO perspective and a link building perspective is to make sure that you leverage all of the, the brand mentions and you try to claim a link back to your website every time uh, a customer or a partner or a supplier mentions your brand. The reason why I like to recommend this is because I think it's one of the easiest ways to, to earn backlinks. It's very efficient. And uh, from my experience and like talking to, to other SEO specialists, uh, this is a kind of tactic that has a 50% success rate. For uh, those of you who, are, who have ever done like a link building campaign, you probably know that the success rate of 50% is pretty close to heaven because most uh, link building campaign success rates varies between two to four percent. So you have to email, you know, 100 companies, you're all developers, so I don't need to do the math for you, but uh, you can understand like how valuable this can be for, for your particular brand. The way you do it uh, is basically just kind of keep an eye on like whoever mentions your brand. I think the place to start could be uh, Google Alerts, 
and you start putting together a list of, uh, of uh, mentions. Uh, of course, if you're more into like creating content for SEO purposes, and if the SEO is something um, that's quite interesting for you, I do recommend like you use a professional SEO tool um, like Ahref, SEMrush, uh, Mention, or, or Buzzsumo. But you can very well live at this point with uh, Google Alerts as well. One little trick that I, I like to do is like once I put together the list of, uh, of partners that do mention uh, my brand, is I want to check which one of those already links back to uh, to my website. So I just have like this like super simple um, Google Sheets script where I can like just check for like I don't know 10, 50 uh, articles if that website already that, that article actually that the website already links back to to my website. If they don't. That is the opportunity. I can already go and uh, and reach out to those. Um, again, the reason why I, I always recommend this solution is because over time, uh, of all the different tactics that I've uh, I've used for for HubSpot, and you can see uh, what kind of like things I usually try to uh, build backlinks to to HubSpot. The uh, unlinked brand mention is actually the tactic that never fails. Like every month, I get actually to uh, to get to build links to to our products through this tactic. That is a red line, a red bar that is quite constant over a period of time. Getting to uh, the second uh, influencer source, uh, the influencers and the publications. This is actually. Uh, one of my, my favorite tactics because uh, it involves actually like building some relationships and becoming a valuable contributor. And uh, I remember before joining HubSpot, I used to work for, uh, for a startup back in my home country in Romania. We uh, uh, built an SEO tool for agencies called SEO Monitor. And uh, we didn't really have any kind of like resources that we could leverage other than our own expertise. So the way we started at that time uh, to create a, a name for, for ourselves and, and start building the buzz around our brand was to share some of that expertise. So slowly, maybe too slow for that time, we uh, started becoming valuable contributors. Now, I know that a lot of the, the people in, uh, in this room have a ton, ton of expertise to share. Um, and one of the brands that really come to mind uh, right now is uh, Feedback Panda. I don't know if you guys were as mesmerized as me yesterday, but like I felt like their story about like how they managed to like find such a niche audience, but then again, like such an audience that needed uh, a tool so badly was actually fantastic. I think uh, for for them. Uh, I, I, I don't uh, know the business that well, but I thought like that story with the audience was such a such a goldmine for one becoming a contributor in that particular audience, but also potentially for talking about that their product and about the way they've discovered the audience to other startups, like literally what they did on the stage, but on other publications. And that's you cannot talk about a particular uh, brand or the story of a brand without actually mentioning the product. So. Uh, you build your brand, you create buzz, and you also build backlinks to your product. So, the recommended solution in this case for me oftentimes is pitching guest posts. Uh, and I have another example here, uh, and this is a bit closer to, to my home, and um, you can see uh, one of our uh, vice presidents, Kieran Flanagan, uh, 
posted an article on a publication for product managers about how HubSpot kind of changed from uh, marketing qualified leads to product qualified leads. This is a, quite an interesting information if you're a product marketer. Uh, but at the same time, so it delivered value to that audience. Uh, the publication was happy to, to publish the article. And at the same time, talking about product qualified leads meant talking about uh, our products, meant backlinks, meant buzz, uh, meant a lot of, uh, a lot of benefits uh, generally for our brand. Now, there's another tactic that you could use. If you already have quite a lot of content uh, on your website, if you have a blog that you've been using for quite a while, and let's say uh, you have some articles that are quite evergreen, but they don't really bring any more traffic to your website, so they're quite like zero traffic at the moment. Now that's an opportunity uh, I think you should leverage in a, in a different way, instead of like keeping everything on your website and like using a lot of Google crawl budget for not a lot of visits actually, you could take some of those articles, um, upcycle them, like refresh them a little bit and use them as guest posts or content syndication. This is something that we've done uh, recently at HubSpot. We, you know, honestly, like we do have a blog that's been there for more than 10 years and uh, the company generally is very focused on content. So we've uh, pruned about 3,000 articles and about 500 of them ended up being uh, uh, pitched as guest posts because they were still quite evergreen and it was quite easy to update them and, and uh, create them as a, refresh them as a new piece. So this could be also a tactic that you might be interested in, in doing. Um, because of all the, the tactics that I've been using for the past year in getting product mentions and product backlinks, a fly. Uh, this content syndication was actually the one that brought the biggest chunk of, um, um, of backlinks. I think about like 600 so far. Uh, this year alone, so quite a, a lot of bang for the buck. Oops, that's the right expression. Of course, there's, uh, there are other, um, uh, in this space of like becoming a valuable contributor, uh, there's a lot you can play around with. I don't know how many of you have heard of Haro, help a reporter out. Yeah, quite a few. Well, it, it's, it's an interesting uh, tool. Um, it offers uh, the possibility for journalists to uh, connect with experts. So whenever a journalist wants to, journalist or a blogger wants to like write an article and like needs expert opinions, uh, puts out a, a query on Haro, and uh, you as an expert get a list of such, uh, such queries uh, in the morning and in the afternoon. And uh, you've got about, I don't know, between 24 and 48 hours, like send a, a quick quote. Uh, and if it's going to get picked up, 90% uh, chances uh, there that the, um, uh, that the article and the quote is going to include a link as well. Now, uh, there is one uh, downside to Haro. It usually serves like an English-speaking market. So if you're just focused on, I don't know, the Croatian market or uh, the German market, Haro might not be for you. But if you're targeting an English-speaking market, then this is definitely uh, the way to go. I also like it because if you like put the time and effort into like writing uh, a short piece of content for that journalist, about two to three uh, out of uh, times out of ten, you're going to get published. And the other uh, seven or eight times that you're not, you've already kind of created a short piece of content that you can use on your blog. You can p pitch as a quote to uh, other articles and to other partners, or you can just use on your social media, on your blog. 
but before starting, I would suggest uh, just spend about a week. This is what I did with, with Hara to see whether or not it was a good investment. Uh, I waited for about a month, and every day I would uh, put together a list of all the queries that were relevant for my company. And I would see like what would be the topics about. So I would like be able to be prepared. What would I? What should I be writing about in case I do want to pursue this? And like how many queries would I be getting per day? Like how much time and effort should I put into? What should I expect? What are the What are the domain authority of the websites that usually ask for such questions? So before you like jump in and put a lot of effort, I would suggest to um, assess whether or not this is a market opportunity for you. And as I said, I've uh, done this little experiment, and at least in the marketing space, most of the uh, websites that uh, pitch um, quotes via Haro have a domain authority between 40 and 60, which is absolutely fantastic, especially if you're just starting out. Uh, and an average of two, sometimes three out of 10 answers get picked up. Um, and the last recommended solution that I have for, for becoming a contributor is actually podcasts. Um, now I've been speaking about this a little bit earlier, and uh, someone asked, like, what would be like the best way to uh, pitch a podcast? Um, I think, in uh, from my experience with HubSpot and with the startup that I used to work with, the story had a lot of value uh, when pitching uh, to be part of a, of a podcast episode, to be interviewed. Or, uh, to create a series with someone. And what I mean by that is uh, there is no way in which you can growth hack your way into podcasting. You cannot send a mass email. You cannot create a template to use for 10, 20, 30 podcasts. They, uh, these people are quite bombarded with emails like that and are quite... Um, Probably Rob can speak about this a lot better. They're pretty sick of seeing people pitching themselves or like, you know, writing short, long, whatever, things that are completely irrelevant. If you do have a story to tell, uh, I would say put the time and effort into actually pitching it because if that's going to be to be something that's going to resonate with, uh, uh, with the podcast host, you have a high chances to, to get on the podcast. Then again, one of my, uh, get to the third section um, of influencer sources, and these are best of uh, listicles. Uh, as I was saying earlier, I, I refer to these, like not generally all of the lists that were ever uh, written about a particular topic in the world, but mostly the ones that kind of get traffic constantly. So the ones that rank in, let's say, top 20 of Google search results. And the way you would be um, approaching this is you can, depending on how, um, how authoritative is your website, you can create those lists on your own website and rank with them. Or uh, if your website is quite new, it's probably better to create some kind of premium partnerships. And to give you like an example, I was actually talking, uh, I think yesterday with someone, someone from the audience that has, uh, has a business and um, a tool for, for fitness trainers. Um, and the tool is like, pretty cool. I was, I, as I was uh, listening to, to his story and the way the tool works, I remembered that for a while I did uh, some sort of like training with an online trainer and we would exchange information on WhatsApp and it was, like, she was like, oh, send me these pictures or she'll send me like a recipe. It was quite a bit of a mess. 
Uh, and his tool was actually designed to kind of like create some sort of like a great communication between a trainer and a client. And I thought afterwards, as I was thinking a little bit about the product, I started looking at uh, what kind of search results appear for best uh, uh, trainer apps or like best software for, for trainers. And the interesting thing was that there were already quite a few results. The, the top results were for, from uh, 2019. Uh, but then, you know, starting from position three or four, uh, there were like a lot of results for 20, from 2014, 2015. So there's already a niche there uh, where you can see that there isn't um, uh, like a lot of like content creators that are so eager to always be on top of the search result, like in the marketing space. So there is some uh, some uh, uh, way you can leverage a little bit of that uh, by creating some new content that is more relevant on your own website. Or you can always partner with uh, the websites that already rank there if they're not your direct competitors. Um, you can create some sort of affiliate program or just generally try to find out how you could bet, uh, better help uh, that particular company reach their own goals so that you, um, that you can get on, uh, on that list. Before I get started, I just remembered right now when, when I was, uh, I told you I, I used to work for, for a Romanian startup that was an SEO tool. And um, as we were like starting, every little uh, product mention or every little uh, place where we were like a guest post would be like a small win for us. But it was always like us for a while kind of trying to, to build that buzz. And then one day, we got this notification on like Google Alerts that uh, uh, Backlinko, that Brian Dean, had uh, published another update of his like best SEO tools, and it was a top 100. And SEO Monitor was on that list, and it was like the best day ever because like someone with such a big name uh, had discovered our tool and put us, even though we we're at the, the bottom of the list or like you know in the last uh, one of the last uh, tools, we're still on the top 100. If I could like go back to whatever this was like five years ago, um, four years ago, and change something, I would definitely do my best to get in touch with Brandine and do whatever possible to bump us to the top of the list or among the, the, the top solutions, because that's where you're going to get a lot of visibility. And if Brandine would have said no, I would have tried to do the same with all the other um, top SEO tools. So right now. If you want to do that and if you don't want to be like me and like after a few years say, oh, I should have done this because now all of my competitors have done it, um, build a list of all of the keywords that you think um, uh, people would like use to search for different product alternatives such as your product. Uh, then check on how many of those um, lists your product is already mentioned and try to see whether or not you can create some sort of partnership with those lists and get your, get your brand mentioned. Um, as I said earlier, uh, I think it, it's quite valuable to try to understand what's your visibility if you're at a kind of like a growth stage, how uh, often you are present in these listicles in top 10, top 20, and top uh, 50 for a particular keyword or a particular topic of, of keywords, and then try to understand how um, how visible you are at like different levels of the buyer's journey. If you want to simplify a little bit this process, one of my colleagues from HubSpot has actually built a tool. Uh, his name is Alex Briquette, and uh, you can actually access this tool for free. Um, please tell him I recommended him. <laughs> uh, 
Um, and uh, this tool is just going to like search for you and like it's going to give you the top 10, top 20 or top 50 search results for whatever keyword you need. And it's going to show you on how many of those um, um, results your, your, your product has already mentioned. You can uh, be very specific and you can say, oh, you know, check whether or not company.com is mentioned or check whether or not company.com such product is mentioned. And lastly, directories. I know that as an SEO, like mentioning the word directories is not something uh, that, that people often do. Uh, directories have had a really, really bad name or bad reputation in the SEO industry, and uh, that's because they were obviously like, used for, for the worst, and they were just like uh, a lot of directories uh, built simply for, uh, for SEO purposes. But there are plenty, plenty of directories out there where your brand should be mentioned, where you should like start building reviews, because people at the last stage of their virgin are always going to compare products and are always going to be looking at how many people review uh, how many people um, have appreciated a product. Just think about the way we pick restaurants these days. Uh, Google My Business is just an example of such a directory. Um, and I'm not sure exactly like what kind of directories are in every niche, but I put together a list of potentially directories that are like these lists are, are written by SEO specialists so uh, be sure that everything you're gonna find in uh, in these lists are gonna be good for your business from a from an SEO perspective so this is uh, this is my talk um, talked about like how to get friends recommendations or how to get into trusted sources curated lists and and reviews um, and if we were to kind of like summarize this whole experience into like three lessons or three bullets, I'd say probably be strive to be a top recommended solution, uh, build partnerships to deliver your visibility, and uh, always uh, look for mentions and like not necessarily rankings because the most important thing is to be visible where it matters. Thank you very much. That was all. Thanks so much for joining me this week. I hope you enjoyed that talk as much as I did. Again, youtube.com slash microconf to subscribe and be notified when new talks are released. And we'll be back with another episode of the Microconf podcast next week.